0: Today, we take a look at what long-term stability could look like against the Boston Bruins. Your Locked on Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Locked on Flames. As always, I'm your host, Jess Mosto, and thank you so much for joining me today. We are joined by my partner in crime, Nick Zararis as well. Nick, how are you doing?
1: I'm very well. I'm excited. It's a good hockey night. It's one of the nights where there's more than three games on the schedule.
0: And you just love to see that. Today, we are going to be looking at uh, tonight's opponents, the Boston Bruins, In a way, a similar way that we did to the Hurricanes yesterday in terms of that long-term picture. And, uh, of course, we're going to talk about the game as well. But before we dive into all of this, make sure you are subscribed to Locked on Flames wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. We're here for you five days a week, Monday through Friday, your team every day. What is difference between a rebuild and a retool and where where are the flames truly falling in this scale
1: um i don't want to say it's a matter of perception because that's very ambiguous and not clear
0: but ultimately
1: It's kind of in the eye of the beholder. I think teams would rather call it a retool than a rebuild because that sounds less intensive and it sounds like we're not that far away versus a rebuild is generally a multi-year thing. And you can go either way on the perception. And I think part of that matters, unlike we talked about yesterday, with your market. I think there are some markets where you have a more engaged, a more well-educated fan base that knows If we don't, we will eventually have to take our medicine at some point, you know, eventually the bill comes due. If you try and be competitive all the time, and we'll talk about it in relation to the Bruins in a minute, but when you consistently put prospects and draft picks into trades to acquire players, to keep going for it, eventually you're going to have to take a step back because you run out of assets to trade. And it, it, it happens to all of these teams that mm-hmm. consistently go for it. The Rangers had to do it. The sharks are going through that right now. The ducks are a long-term version of that. Cause you know, last time they made the playoffs was like 2017, but you, the, the point remains it, it, Eventually, you have to take your lumps, and you can cut, try to retool consistently, but eventually, you do have to take two, a two or three year period to take a step back. There's just no way around it; it's not doable.
0: Right, and like you said, the well dries up, and you're not you're not going to get any younger um, without what you need, and. Yeah. I feel like that's a problem that a lot of these teams are kind of facing is, you know, they just shelled out their draft picks and eh, prospects just to get that short-term deal done, and it it has not uh, paid off.
1: Yeah, I I definitely agree with you there, and I think the most successful version of the retool as we understand it is what's what Dallas has done over the last couple of years where they made the one really concerted push building that team around Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan last decade. They had a really solid run. You know, John Klinberg was really good on those teams when Ben Bishop was the goalie, they won a couple playoff series, but they had to take a step back. You know, they, they needed to get younger. They needed to get more dynamic and they've drafted extremely well. That's the most important element to this, either way. Whether you call it a retool or a rebuild, if you don't nail your draft picks, you're gonna exacerbate this process and drag it out a lot longer. You look at all of the key players in this second iteration of the stars around Ben and Sagan, where you talk about hints and Robertson and Heiskinen and Thomas Harley and Jake Ottinger, that's five, six guys right there that are gonna be the core of that team for the next decade. And those were all guys they drafted that they were able to keep the cost down on because they drafted them versus a team like say the Bruins who have been, they haven't been retooling. They've been tinkering around the margins. They've been trying to get the exact right combination of guys around their star players, which isn't a retool or a rebuild. It's a secret third thing that doesn't have a name, but that's what it is. When you are a team that's close, you are tinkering around the edges. When you realize you've hit a ceiling, that's generally when you need to retool. Like, for example, before I throw it back to you, if the Leafs go out in the first round again this year, if the Rangers go out in the first round again this year, we could see those as teams who retool, where they're going to trade a star player for cap flexibility and to get a little bit younger and maybe try a different approach to their roster versus a team like, say, I don't know. The Bruins genuinely could be in a position where they may have to rebuild, rebuild when Marshawn decides to retire. That'll be the point of demarcation for them. Like, yeah, they'll still have McAvoy. They'll still have Lindholm. They'll have Pasta. But three guys doesn't make a team.
0: No. And I feel like um, that's been very noticeable in the Bruins. And you're probably going to see that tonight as well. And we'll talk more about it later. But they're incredibly dinged up and – uh, they're playing on the second half of a back-to-back tonight, so we'll see. Um, but I do feel like the Flames—no pun intended—but we're playing with fire. I feel like towards the end of, I guess Geo's tenure, like they could have absolutely—I don't want to say rebuild, but they could have blown it up. And done something. They could
1: have reimagined
0: their team. Yes,
1: they could have thought. Hey, we tried this one way for quite an extended period of time. We talked about it yesterday. Brad had the job for 10 years. They made the playoffs five of the 10 years he had the job, where they were constantly content with, let's be in the middle, let's try and get in, and then anything can happen once we get in. That should have been the point of demarcation after they had to trade Kachuk and Goudreau left. That should have been the point of demarcation to say, Okay, we need to take our lumps for a year or two to kind of reassess, reorganize our roster around this next wave of guys. And if we don't have that next wave of guys, we need to identify them and get them here so we can start being that next wave. Because a lot of the time when you are in that retooling period, you're just whittling away on the margins. You know, you're in that 16 to 20 group, which is where no one wants to be because you're picking at the low end of the first you're picking towards the end of the first round or if you make the playoffs you're going to play a really good team in the first round where you're going to have a really hard time of upsetting them. That's not to say you can't be successful in those, you know, you can't win an upset series and you can't nail your draft picks at the end of the first round. I mean, I just mentioned the stars. A lot of those guys are, you know, second, third, fourth round picks.
0: Yeah. And something that we've talked a lot about um, really earlier this season is the importance of having those homegrown guys. Because number one, you're drafting well and they keep the cost down, which will allow you to bring in more and potentially better players to fill out and round out that roster.
1: For sure. And you got to think about the organization, the big picture. And we're going to talk about this on tomorrow's show, the idea of the long, short, and medium-term planning. Right now, the Flames are in the early stages. The long-term plan is two or three years from now. I imagine in my head their long-term plan is to be a playoff team by the time they're in the new building. That's the goal two three years from now. To get there, there are a lot of intermediary steps the Flames need to take understanding where you are and i think even if conroy maybe didn't mean it using the rebuild word does matter the flames have an educated and informed engaged fan base there are a lot of flames fans who are tired of being you know the 15th best team in the nhl year after year Mm -hmm. and being sold hey if we get in anything can happen there are flames fans who are willing to say i'm willing to take two years three years to set this up So we get five, six, seven cracks at this, and maybe we get the Capitals run or we get the Blues run where everything lines up for us one given year where we're not even the best team, but we got hot at the right time and something magical happens. That is a better trade-off than, hey, we're going to make the playoffs like every other year. We're going to have a chance, but the best path to winning eventually is consistently making the playoffs and hoping something happens as opposed to every few years or every other year.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I look at the Panthers run last year and how much of that was truly luck.
1: I mean, when you beat it, when you win three overtime games in the first round, you know, that's a lot. To win three g- overtime games, to win three coin flips in a row is hard. Go do it yourself. Go flip a coin three times in a row and see if you can get the right out the co- outcome you call three times. It's really difficult. So, yeah, the Panthers got a little bit of magic. And the one point I'll add on this, and we're running long, so I'll be quick. You can make your own luck to some degree. When you are playing <laughs> with a ton of confidence, when you are playing in a way that's controlling the state of the game, it feels like you're getting more tosses of the coin. That's the way you got to think about it. When you are a good team, you can make your own luck.
0: Yes. And we will be right back after this break with more conversations surrounding the Flames future. Grocery bills are expensive these days, but right now they don't have to be. Start getting cash back on your grocery shopping with the free Ibotta app that that and get cash back every time you shop. Spring break is right around the corner, which means you're gonna be shopping, but don't shop for your big trip and get nothing in return. Make sure you're getting cash back every time you shop with Ibotta. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to even toys. So make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using code LOCKED ON NHL when you register. Go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning a cash back, earning cash back and use code LOCKED ON NHL. That's I B O T T A in the Google Play or App Store using code NHL. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out with us today. Uh, I hope you're all enjoying your week. Uh, make sure you subscribe to Locked on Flames wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. A prospect philosophy. Are you going to tell me that... The Wranglers aren't uh, like the true next step for the Flames. Like you can't just copy and paste this that roster into.
1: That's not a bad thing. The Flames generally do a decent job of getting guys from the AHL to their roster. They do. They do a decent job of identifying talent, drafting, and marinating. The issue is. They haven't hit any home runs in a while. They've gotten useful roster players through their system. We talk about guys like Monjepponi, like Chillington. Those are good examples, you know, later draft picks, even if we're talking about second rounders, you know, only about 10% of second rounders play 200 NHL games. So that's an accomplishment when you can consistently turn middle round picks into roster players because even if they don't stick, You can turn them into other things. You can keep that tree, the trade tree going and adding assets to recoup. So as far as the philosophy, graduating guys from your AHL team really should be about one of two things, filling out your bottom six, or if you're really good at the late rounds of the draft, that is what the AHL is for. In my opinion, at least you want it for guys who need more time that aren't ready to make the jump from junior right to the league or for guys who are goalies, where they need a lot more reps to get up to speed. But generally, you know, the impact players we're talking about, the stars, those guys are either coming from NCAA hockey – or they're making the leap as 18-year-olds right away. Most star players, you know, we're, when we're talking about the best 10, 15, 20 players in the world, they make the league at 18. The AHL is not for the Mitch Marners of the world. It is not for the Matthew Kachucks of the world. And I know Matthew Kachuk spent a little time in the AHL, but for the purposes of this conversation, that's for the people who need extra time. That is for rounding out your roster. Your best players, generally speaking, are not going to go through your AHL system.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's fair. I mean, at some point, you know, you do have to look at that and, you know, are you stunting a player's development by keeping them in the AHL or putting them in the AHL or helping them? Like we're seeing with uh, Matthew Coronado, who is building up true professional reps and stamina and just helping his game that he wasn't fully ready to make the leap to the NHL full time.
1: No, definitely not. And I think for the college guys, the leap in the amount of games played is really tough on them. That's really a big thing I like to point out for a lot of these guys. What No matter how good you are in college, going from playing 40 games over the course of four and a half months where you're only playing like twice a week, three times a week. To every other day for six months is a massive leap. And usually we see the NCAA guys hit the physical wall around January, which is about the 40 game mark, which is when they're used to their season being close to being over. So it doesn't surprise me that Matt Coronado need needed a little more seasoning as far as just physically maturing, which is another component too, where he's still a kid, you know, he's only 19, 20 years old. He needs to get into an NHL strength and conditioning program, NHL diet, where he can put on another five to 10 pounds and really fill out his frame because that's part of this. You need to be big enough to withstand the grind of an 82 game season. And he very clearly wasn't physically ready. It's not a knock on his game, but your game and your physical attributes are two different things. You know, you can put on five to 10 pounds of muscle, you can work on your conditioning, but that's different from your shooting and your passing. So, Mm It's good they sent him back down. I hope after the deadline we see him get you know the last 10, 15 games of the season up here as kind of a runway into next season. I would like to see that for quite a few younger players in the organization to get increased roles, to give them an opportunity to say, we want to see where you're at. Come up. Do what you can. We'll evaluate it. We'll take it into consideration. And that'll be part of our evaluation for evaluating you when you come in in the fall. How are you right now compared to what you were five months ago? What'd you do over the summer? Are you ready to make the leap out of training camp to make the team or do you need more time?
0: Yeah. And I think that that's a fair assessment for the flames right now, especially because they're not making the playoffs. Um, It would take a lot of things to go right. And that's not going to happen, but they have this flexibility to play with the lineup and, Just get, like you said, as many young kids as they can up that they want to integrate into next season's roster so they can start focusing on this next batch that are maybe ready to take the leap in two seasons. And just use this time to your advantage. There was that free trial period that I talk about all the time when Daryl Sutter came in after Jeff Ward. That was great. It was not a good ending with Daryl Sutter, but you had those few games to, number one, get back in shape. You weren't looking like a beer league team anymore. You had someone holding you accountable and figure out things that worked and also try new things at the risk of nothing. Like you're not flirting with a playoff spot the way that I, I think a lot of people think they might be.
1: No, you're not. And part of that, part of the idea here of of having this prospect philosophy conversation is the vast majority of guys who get picked don't make it. You know, we're only, we're talking seven draft picks in a given year you start with. Sometimes you trade them, you have less than seven. But at baseline, you have seven. If you consistently put two or three guys from every draft into the NHL, you're considered good at drafting. That's not a high hit rate. You know, two out of seven is less than 30%. That's not a particularly high hit rate. So if you can consistently turn one or two guys into an NHLer, that's great. The issue for the Flames is it's really hard to get those impactful players that can make a huge difference in the teens and the 20s, which is why it's so important, like we were just talking about in the first segment, to embrace being bad for a season or two because that's where you get the good players because it's really hard to entice people to come here in free agency. And that's ignoring the fact that great players don't really reach free agency all that often.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, imagine – where things might be had they decide to dismantle the roster last season or the season before when they, they absolutely should have and could have. We'd be ahead of the ball here. Um, but coming up next, we are going to wrap up the show with some pregame talk ahead of tonight's Stanley Cup matchup for me against the Bruins. But before we do that, I do want to take a quick break and talk to you about Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to the other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's match engine is constantly getting better. The more you use it, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash locked on. Just go to indeed.com slash locked on right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out with us today on Locked on Flames. Uh, Make sure you're following us on Twitter, at Jess Belmosto, and at Nick Zeraris. Oh, Twitter. Right before we started recording, there were some fun Twitter rumors spreading about Noah Hannafin, and that's not... It's coming from an incredibly unreliable source on Bruin's Twitter. So, great time to remind you all to um, consider your sources and your friends, unless they work very closely, aren't sources.
1: Yeah, that ultimately, not a lot of people know. I, one of my friends always makes the joke that the graphic designer who works for the team knows more than the insiders, because generally speaking, they make the graphic and announce the transaction before Elliot Friedman or whatever insider you prefer who gets the news via the NHL. But the way this works, and I've explained this before, but I can run through this very quickly when there is a trade, when the two parties agree, they send a fax yes the nhl still uses faxes they send a fax to the league office saying this is the trade these are what's going in each direction and then the nhl looks at it they have it go through central registry to make sure the trade is valid that you know it doesn't put the teams over the 50 contract limit it doesn't put either team over the salary cap or under the uh, cap floor and then once it gets approved it goes into a central registry which every single insider gets an email from when a transaction is processed. That's why when waivers happens, all of the people tweet it at the exact same time because they get an email when a transaction happens. If the trade isn't out there, the only people who know about it are the general managers who execute said trade. The agents find out. After the trade has been processed through the league. So if your friend is hearing something, unless they are in the front office in the room while the trade is being executed, more likely than not, they are making it up. That's why this time of year is rough, because the entire media ecosystem now is driven by engagement. What gets engagement? The entire audience is conditioned to eat nothing but sugar and empty calorie sugar stuff. Everybody loves candy. And don't get me wrong. I like candy, too. Transaction stuff is fun. But there's only so much you can do when there's no movement. You know, when every single day it's here's the trade bait list, maybe this (laughs) team, maybe that team that tells me nothing's going on, because if we were making progress, we would have a transaction. These things do not take four to five weeks to iron out. You know, this is maybe a one hour conversation at the most. You know, if you want to make this trade happen, you sit down and you make it happen as opposed to what we're doing now where we're just sitting around and waiting for the trade to happen. These are not that complicated. In all honesty, they're not that complicated. If two parties want to make a trade, they will sit down and iron it out till they get it. Yeah,
0: and I think that, That's a really good point Um, with the Markstrom potential trade as well, just because we've heard that there's been pushback um, from the Flames because of salary retention.
1: Yeah, If
0: they wanted to get this done, they would have figured it out in the two weeks that it's been since we first heard that report, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. What I do think in situations like that, where you're hearing, well, the flames don't want to retain salary more likely than that, that's coming from the devil's end of things because the devils want to ratchet up the heat on the flames. So that's the way you should think about any transaction news you hear. It is coming from the opposite side. If you hear, oh, Team X is listening on player Y, like the Ducks with Trevor Zegris, for example, that's the Canadians trying to fracture the relationship between Trevor Zegris and the Ducks to the point that he would be willing to demand a trade or say, I would like to go there. Or a couple of weeks ago when Capococco was in trade rumors, that was other teams trying to get the Rangers to sell low on him. That's the way you need to think about all of these transaction rumors is that whoever you are hearing it about, is coming from the opposite end because they are trying to drive the price down.
0: Yeah, and everything you're hearing is for a reason. That's that's really it. Um, if you'd like to come pick up your journalism degree from Lockdown Flames University, just let us know. We'll print one out for you. Do you think the Bruins have anything the Flames want?
1: Prospects-wise, not really. Um, I don't think the Bruins would be willing to trade you Trent Frederick, who I am intrigued in, I think is a decent player who might be a top-six player. I don't think I want Jake DeBrusque just because he's older now. I mean, he's, what, 27? I'm pulling it up. He's
0: 27, yeah.
1: He's 27 on the dot, which, you know, just like Kuzmenko, he's good, but he's not going to be that relevant by the time you're ready to compete, which doesn't really work. The Bruins are a team that has consistently drafted at the back end of the first round when they've even had first round picks. Uh, They just don't have a ton in the pipeline. I mean, I feel like there's a couple of guys I've heard about for years that never really made the leap, frankly, for the Bruins. Like, the Bruins don't have a lot. They don't have a first, second, or third this year. Um, Their first round pick next year is conditional tied to this year based on how standings finish out. So they might have their pick next this year as opposed to next year. But generally speaking, the Bruins, if you're going to trade with them for Hannafin, you're going to be getting a lot of picks and you're going to be picking at the back end of each round of these picks because the Bruins will probably make the playoffs. Well, no, they are going to make the playoffs and they'll probably win a round or two. So that's not really a team I really want to trade with from the Flames because All that's doing is passing the buck on to me of I got to nail these draft picks. Otherwise, I lost the trade. That's why the other day I said I would like to trade with the Devils because they've already done the hard work of drafting good players. You know, if you can buy low on Dawson Mercer or buy low on Alexander Holtz, those are guys who are ready to play at the NHL level right now who can play 18 minutes a night and you don't have to think twice about it versus if you draft, you know, if you pick 24th this year with the Bruins pick that guy you're drafting is probably three years away from being ready to play, let alone succeed at the NHL level.
0: yeah. and i I completely agree with you. I just I don't I understand that he's obviously going to be linked to his hometown team. It happens every year with every player. but it, there there's nothing attractive that the Bruins, I think would be willing to part with to make this happen. And they want those assets and they don't have any to give Craig Conroy in return, so.
1: No, they don't. That's part of why you got to identify the right teams to trade with. I mean, all of last decade, we all made the recurring joke about – um Steve Iserman just fleecing everybody he traded with that he immediately, the lightning were really good at drafting players. And as soon as they realized guys weren't that good, they were eager to ship them off, you know, within a year of drafting Tony D'Angelo, they were like, yeah, this guy's not it. And they traded him to Arizona. Same thing with Brett Howden and Lever Hayek from uh, trading them to the Rangers for Ryan McDonough and JT Miller. They are an organization that, Hey, I wouldn't want to trade with them because I'm going to get fleeced. The Bruins, Sure, if you want picks and you want to say we develop guys really well, I understand it. I think that's adding more risk to your portfolio than you need, but I understand it. I still think the Devils are the team you want to trade with.
0: Well, we will hopefully have an update for you ahead of the trade deadline because that is two weeks away uh, tomorrow, so we are going to just keep our fingers crossed and see what happens, but... Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, Make sure you're subscribed to Lockdown Flames wherever you're getting your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Uh, We hope to hear from you in the comments. And Nick, do you have any parting words for us today?
1: Um, Hopefully the Flames win tonight. That would be fun.
0: That'd be nice.